Welcome to the Invested Dads Podcast, simplifying financial topics so that you can take action and make your financial situation better, helping you to understand the current world of financial planning and investments. Here are your hosts, Josh Robb and Austin Wilson. All right. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the Invested Dads Podcast, a podcast where we take you on a journey to better your financial future. I am Austin Wilson, research analyst at Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. And I'm Josh Robb, director of wealth management at Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. Austin, how can people help us with our podcast? First of all, subscribe. If you're not subscribed, hit that plus, follow, whatever button you have to make sure you get new episodes each and every Thursday when they drop. And visit our website and sign up for our weekly newsletter to know when an episode comes out, as well as have a nice little summary of what we're going to be talking about with links and everything. It's beautiful. So today, I'm going to get in trouble with our compliance officer, Josh, here. I should change my intro to chief compliance officer. Yeah. I'm going to give you all the tips and tricks on how to build the best the winning portfolio for 2023. So let's just say 2022 was rough. Yes. 2023 is already tumultuous. Yes. It's choppy. It's volatile. It's ups and downs. So Josh, you need to say what you need to say. Let me disclose here. So we're going to be talking historically looking back at last year. And then from there, extrapolating, Austin has a bear case and a bull case, meaning a positive and negative outlook for each of these different asset classes. Yep. These are his opinions, obviously. There's no guarantee for the future, and there's no recommendation through this. We're just going to be talking about different asset classes and some potential directions they could go this year. Absolutely. So before making any decisions, make sure you talk with your financial advisor. And if you don't have one, you can reach out to us at hello at investedaz.com and we'd love to get in contact with you. Or check out the Invest With Us tab on our oh, website. Even better. All right. So yes, like I mentioned, 2023 is a tricky year already. Last year was really rough. Let's review 2022 performance by asset class and then discuss a couple thoughts which they can go in 2023. So let's start with the granddaddy. U.S. large cap stocks, and speaking about the S&P 500 specifically, it was down 18% in 2022. Mm. Not a good year. So let's talk about the bull case, of good case scenario for large cap U.S. stocks, Mm -hmm. what could happen in 2023. Historically speaking, it's rare to have two really bad back-to-back years in a row. Not impossible, so no guarantees, obviously, but it's rare that that does happen. Another bull case, it's kind of counterintuitive, but if and when an economy weakens, which we're thinking we're heading into some slowing of the economy, rates should come down, which is going to help become a tailwind for stocks as valuations will be improved. So future earnings and cash flows are worth more as interest rates are lower. That could happen. Typically, the stock market is going to lead the economy in sort of those areas there. The bear case. So this is like what could happen if things don't go the right way in 2023. So company earnings are what drives stock prices over the long term. As earnings grow, stock prices go up, Mm -hmm. right? Well, we're already starting to see cracks in the earnings picture. Earnings are weakening. Margins are coming down. If earnings take a serious nosedive, valuations, because prices will stay where they are, but earnings will go down, your ratios are going to go the wrong way, making stocks look even more expensive. You're getting less for dollar of price. Which could in turn bring the price down. Which then the market might reset that and bring prices down even further to adjust for that, especially when you build in the fact that we live in a higher interest rate world already, so valuations are being more scrutinized. That's the bear case for U.S. large cap stocks. Now, I'll split this out by growth and value, too. Mm -hmm. Specifically looking at growth stocks, the S&P 500 growth index, they were down 29% Mm -hmm. in 2022, so much worse than the overall market. The bull case here is like a rubber band or springboard thinking. 
the most oversold stuff sometimes, not always, rebounds pretty strongly, mm. meaning it was overdone. Yeah. Now, this could happen to some extent as long as earnings don't fall apart for growth companies. And that actually is what happened in January to some extent. January, the NASDAQ was up 11%. Like, yeah. It was a really good month, kind of rebounding from being overdone to the downside the year before. If rates fall, again, growth will outperform value likely because they're more impacted by valuations and future earnings and future cash flows. So that's the bull case for growth stocks. The bear case for growth stocks is that rates continue to remain high or even rise, continuing the valuation pressure we felt in 2022, right? Yeah. So if, if rates are higher, more pressure on valuations, we saw that all last year was a big thing. Well, if that continues, that's bearish for growth stocks in general. And another note is that historically speaking, the areas of the market that had been the leaders in one bull market are not typically the leaders in the next bull market. Now, we saw tech, growth, all this stuff greatly outperform the rest of the market for the last bull market. Mm -hmm. It seems unlikely that that will be what happens. A lot of these are great companies still doing great things and fundamentally sound companies, but they may not be the market leaders as strongly as they were the last cycle. Okay. Switching gears to value stocks, this is the S&P 500 value index. It was only down 5% last year. So that's actually a lot better than the overall market and a lot better than growth stocks. The bull case, that's that earnings hold up. They do okay, especially in the value side of things. Think like consumer staples, energy. That holds up, and rates stay higher than in previous cycles, meaning that value stocks would outperform growth stocks. Flip side of that, the bear case is if earnings fall apart and rates come down due to economic weakness, growth stocks are going to become more attractive. Value stocks might underperform. Looking at U.S. small caps, the Russell 2000, was down 20% in 2022. Hmm. The bull case for small caps is that if cycle lows, so if the bear market lows are in from October of 2022, small caps should actually lead the rebound as long as the economy gets a soft landing and doesn't go into a recession. So historically, small companies are the fastest to adapt or adjust and come out of a downturn leading the way. They typically lead the way, the rebounding. Okay. In the case of recession, however, they do typically fare worse than large caps. Right. They're very, very, very exposed to that. Yes. The bear case is that, again, they're likely to underperform in a recession. So if we get weakening of the economy in a recession later this year, that would be bad. Also, there's a valuation premium for small caps. They're trading at a more expensive multiple to the overall large cap market. And so they're going to therefore be under pressure in a higher interest rate world. So that takes care of the U.S. for now. Let's go overseas. Let's take a boat. Go over to like Europe. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I'm thinking when I talk about developed international stocks. Europe's the biggest part of developed international. Yep. So using the MSCI EFI index, they were down 14% in 2022, actually outperforming the U.S. pretty mm-hmm. substantially, largely due to a fourth quarter rebound in international because the dollar weakened so strongly. Okay. So the bull case. Bull case is that a European energy crisis continues to be nearly averted, which has kind of already happened. They've had a glut of extra natural gas and stuff like that. They've found a way yeah, to, to make offset, it work with yep. the Russia thing going on. And that there's already a lot of bad news baked in, so any good news at all seems to be really, really good for Europe. Okay. If the dollar weakens because the Fed slows hikes compared to the European central banks, making comparative valuations for those currencies better, developed international stands to gain from that. And that's, again, what we saw in the fourth quarter of 2022. Another thing is that compared looking at valuations, price-to-earnings ratios are usually favorable 
abroad compared to what they're in the U.S. They're, they're, you're paying less for what you get, price mm-hmm. to earnings, in Europe specifically or abroad than you're getting here in the U.S. So that is bullish. Bear side. Bear case here. Geopolitical tensions, so specifically Russia-Ukraine, could cause well, maybe world war, I don't know, but could cause energy issues again, which is huge for inflation. It's really, really bad stuff over there. There could be a COVID resurgence. Europe, while not as COVID zero as the as China, it has not been as, they've been a little slower to release some stuff than the US. Hmm. So maybe they crimp down if they have a resurgence of something. I don't know. That could be really bad though. And another thing, you know, we've had a really hawkish Fed here. We're going to continue to probably have that. That's what they're saying. That is going to likely relate to a continued stronger dollar, which could drag on international. So going a little further overseas. Still going. Still going. Emerging markets. So this is the MSCI Emerging Market Index was down 20% in 2022. The bull case for EM, China is the vastly largest piece of EM. Yeah. It's like a second largest economy in the world, still considered an emerging market. They're the biggest part of EM. So I'm going to talk a lot about China. But the bull case is that China's reopening after years of their COVID zero policy really unleashes a U.S. style consumer spending rebound, which really could be a boom. Mm. The bear case is that maybe China stops progress by shutting down again from COVID or whatever. Or if China escalates geopolitical issues with Taiwan or siding with Russia on things, that could really cause a mess. So that is a risk there. Okay, now those were all the stocks. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to look at other asset classes. Yeah. There are other ones if we did not know. Yeah. Bonds. Sometimes bonds are not fun to talk about. Tend They're, to be boring. Tend to be kind of boring. Yes. I would say that's not necessarily the case right now. So I'm looking at the Bloomberg Aggregate Bond Index. Okay. Biggest bond index in the world that everyone really talks about, the ag. Mm-hmm. It was down 13% in 2022. It's a bad year for bonds. Mm-hmm. One of the worst on record. One to three-year treasuries, though, short-term, those were only down 4%. Kind of seven to 10-year treasuries were down 15 And longer-term, like 20-plus, down 31%. That's crazy. Like bonds being down 31% That's just because of the of. skyrocket in interest rates that mm-hmm. we had. Rate sensitivity very high on longer-term bonds. So here's the bull case. In my opinion, again, not a recommendation, buying bonds is not as terrible as it has been because, especially on the short duration side of things, you can lock in a really good yield. We have an inverted yield curve, so you can lock in 4 to 5% pretty easily on the shorter end of the curve with very little interest rate risk. If rates rise, you're not impacted hardly at all. Mm-hmm. Now, you also might get some small amount of price appreciation if the economy weakens and the Fed has to go dovish all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So that is the bull case. The bear case is really on the longer end of the curve still. So you still have interest rate risk out there. And as long as economic data is hot and the Fed is super hawkish, then you're at risk of losing more money because rates could go higher. Yeah. So that's bonds. Kind of similar to that, cash. Cash is also an asset class. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we would say, and a lot of people would agree, cash is trash. Right now, you can get, depending on what you're looking at, 3.5, 4, 4.5, even up to like 5% interest on your cash in a, in a uh, money market fund or high yield, saving high yield savings account, these sort of things. That is not unattractive considering you have zero risk of loss of principal if mm-hmm. you're using a FDIC insured, beautiful, nice savings account, right? So cash is decently attractive at that point. What's the bull case here? 
Like, how could it get better than this? Well, it could get better than this if the Fed continues to be more aggressive on their hiking because their interest rate is going to go up, which is going to send interest rates on things like savings accounts up. So and I think there'll be a period, correct me if I'm wrong, that when inflation eventually does come down and before the Fed starts moving down, you'll actually be yielding higher than inflation. Because hopefully, historically, cash does not keep up with inflation. No. But there'll be potentially a period where inflation works its way is at six point four percent now, yep. works its way down to the goal of three, you know, somewhere in that range where it's, the Fed's trying to get it to. And if you're still yielding four, you got that one percent exactly. over inflation where you're actually earning money on your cash for which, maybe a little which, bit of time. And it only it only slightly makes up for the time that you've been lagging inflation. Yeah, you're still not over the long term, but, but yeah, there may be a time where you look at that. A little bit of a Goldilocks time period. So the bear case for cash is a couple factors here. Number one, if the economy hits a wall, the Fed cuts rates, your interest rate on your cash is mm-hmm. going to go down. I guess the other one is opportunity cost, yeah. where if this happens, you also could miss opportunity of putting it into something with a higher return, such as equities or bonds, or we're going to talk about a couple other things, but those yeah. are some options there. Okay. Not a fan of it, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Precious metals. Mm. My precious Right, little golem thing there. Gold, gold yeah. was flat in 2022, and yeah. up silver was up three percent in 2022. So not much return now compared to equities that actually held better, up. Okay. Actually held up compared to bonds that actually held up. Mm-hmm. Although the beginning of 2023 has been horrible for precious metals. Weak yeah. weeks of losses, down double digits. Mm. Bull case for precious metals in general. I'm not splitting them out because they kind of move similar. Bull case for precious metals is an anti-risk flight to perceive safety, right? So like if people are risk averse, they don't want to take on the risk of that they see in equities or even bonds for that matter. They see gold or silver as safe, they'll they can go buy it. What could drive this? Well, geopolitical geopolitical tensions or war can drive that. People get scared and they go to to buy something they feel is tangible, right? Um another funny thing is, you know, I think if a lot of old people are watching the news all the time because they that's what they do. They could be falling for all the ads. There's so many ads right now gold on ads. gold or silver ads. Mm-hmm. So if a bunch of people fall for that, they could just bid up the price of gold that's or silver. True. I don't think that's really going to move the needle. But hey, some people are in there to make some money, and those are the people on TV. The bear case for precious metals is that geopolitical tensions ease or that other assets become more attractive. And in my opinion, again, here's Austin's opinion Austin's here. Austin's opinion. If people wake up to the fact that precious metals are purely speculation around the supply and demand dynamics of the underlying gold or silver commodity, and they actually don't provide any earnings or interest, then, well, gold or silver prices won't go up. But that's just my opinion on gold or silver. Another asset class that I kind of just briefly want to touch on is crypto. Kind of its own thing, kind of new. Bitcoin was down 64% in 2022. Big drop. That's a big move. Ethereum, these are the two biggest was down 67% in the same time. Wow. So the bull Two case. thirds. Yeah. So I'm going to say either way here, it's, we're going to say wild card and a half. Okay. Volatile as all crap, mm. right? Bull case. Regulation could send crypto higher on optimism on more people feeling, feeling comfortable with adoption. There really hasn't been a lot of traction on this, however. So I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket. Now, if you recall, that was one of my predictions for this year. Yeah. Is that some form of regulation would come True. out. We'll so, see about that. We'll see. And then another note, any dovishness from the Fed is going to be a tailwind for risk assets. Growth stocks is one thing that comes to mind. But this is a risky of an asset class as it comes. Yep. So they would stand to benefit even mm-hmm. more from that. Um, any pivot. The bear case is that 
if there is regulation, it could really actually make it more unappealing to hold crypto, right? And then the biggest risk, in my opinion, is more exchange fallout. The FTX thing kind of yes. happened. We could have other exchanges have issues. And then, and then the general lack of trust really just continues this crypto winter we're in right yep. now. So those are really the major asset classes around the world. And what I see as being not – I'm not saying more or less likely to happen. I'm saying bull or bear cases for each those one. Those are the two different directions. Yep. All right. So I got a dad joke for you. I actually got two. They're both kind of play on words. Yeah. Okay. So first, what is the difference between a cat and a comma? Okay. One has its claws at the end of its paws, and the other has a pause at the end of a clause. <laughs> See there? Yeah, grammar works. jokes. I yeah, it's going to fall down. I didn't up come with. to work thinking I Got was another one. a grammar joke. What's the difference between a sock and a camera? <laughs> There's a lot, man. One takes five toes, and the other takes photos. Josh, you're funny. I know. Those are my dad yeah, jokes. That's good. All right. Josh, great joke. Thank you. But. Are our listeners ready for the truth? Yes. Because I gave a lot of options on kind of... Directions. Two different Directions ways. we could go here. Again, I didn't call which one. No. If someone calls which one and like says it's for sure going to happen, run and don't yeah. listen to them because nobody on Wall Street, nobody on Facebook, nobody on YouTube or Twitter or Instagram or TikTok knows what this year will bring, right? What about Snapchat? Oh, is, do people use that anymore? I don't know. I don't use it. That's the only nobody on Snapchat. Okay. Nobody Everybody knows. will be wrong about at least something. Okay. Even the best get it wrong. Professionals get it wrong. I have my own opinions on what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I do this for a living. I'm going to get it wrong. Yeah. Right? Well, if you just look at the analyst expectations in any year Always on what the market's going to do, they just don't get it. Always wrong. So what do we know is the question. Yes. We do know that over long time horizons... Stocks should give solid returns. Historical average, 8 to 10% over for large cap U.S. stocks. Because economies grow, people spend more money, and then profits for those companies grow over time, and that's what drives stock prices over Mm -hmm. the long term. We know that. That's what has happened, and that's what we believe will happen. Bonds, on the other hand, historically have proven to have their place as a source of income and stability over the long term Mm -hmm. as well for some diversification away from equities. Returns have been very varied on bonds, but that is what we're saying. So the question is, what should investors do in 2023 to build the bulletproof winning portfolio, Josh? Yes. So... I'm going to tell you exactly what to hold in your portfolio. Sweet, you ready? I'm writing it down. As a compliance officer, here it goes. A well-diversified oh. portfolio mm. that matches your long-term goals and your risk tolerance. So you really didn't give me any of that. I did not give you any answer. <laughs> but what it comes down to is just because we had a rough year in the market last year really does not drive any significant changes for your portfolio unless one of your goals changed Yep. Your time horizon changed yep. or your income changed. Yeah. And those can all drive reasons why you need to make adjustments to your portfolio. But just because last year happened does not mean you need a significant change or adjust your portfolio. If it is matching your goals, matching your time horizon and matching your risk tolerance, then you probably have the best portfolio for your situation. Yep. And that's really the idea behind everything we're talking about. Your portfolio is unique and customized for what you need it to do. Yep. And you shouldn't let any other things drive that decision. Now, I will say, last year was a down year. The same advice applies to a year where it's a really good year, like 2021, Mm -hmm. which was a very positive year in the market overall. Bonds and stocks did well in 2021. 
that should not have driven any decision making for 2022. Yep. But what we see happen a lot is people chase that performance, go into those things even more, and then a year like 2022 compounds yeah. that downside because you've just went even heavier into a spot where you probably should have been more cautious in. Now, one thing I will say is that it is prudent to continue to look at asset allocation and periodically rebalance. Yes. Now, that is not changing things out of fear. That is not reacting to what's going on in the markets or anything. Correct. That is a perfectly normal thing to keep your risk tolerance in check. Yes. Rebalancing is not a should not be a fearful reaction. You should actually have a process to evaluate and adjust periodically. As a rule. It's as a just rules as in based. general. Yeah, yes. It's a rules-based yeah. To say twice a year, yep. I will look at my portfolio based on what I'm trying to do and where it's at and adjust it back to where it should be. Exactly. Yes. That is not a reactionary reaction. In fact, it gives you longer term, better allocation because you don't let things get too far out of whack. Out of whack. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that I'll elaborate on is you hit on this earlier. Diversification is key. Yes. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. For one, that's a terrible idea. Yeah. You're going to have very volatile returns if you put all your eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. One thing that we know is The only that time all your eggs should be in a basket is during the Easter egg hunt. And then you need to win. Yes. That's, no, I mean, get the most ideally, eggs. that's when all the eggs should be in your basket. <laughs> but as far as your assets are concerned, no. depending on your risk tolerance and your overall asset allocation, you should have exposure to a variety of things. Yes. And the things that we talked about in asset classes... Most of those should be in some way, shape, or form represented in portfolios. Mm-hmm. Now, most. I'm, I'm going to exclude a couple things. But, like cryptocurrency. And this is where my opinion is going to creep in here. Yeah. So I'm, I'm saying, generally speaking, for younger people, I'm putting myself in that bucket, Josh. Okay. Thank you very much. I'm out of I don't it. know. You're middle-aged yep. now. I think that equities should represent the majority. I'm not going to say all, but the majority of what people should hold to get the best return over time. Because they have a longer time to compound, and they should, not always the case, but should have a higher risk tolerance because volatility should mean less to them. Yeah. Again, not a recommendation, but that's the way I feel. Within equities, and this applies to everyone, you should have diversification. So you should hold the things we talked about. Some exposure to large cap U.S. stocks, some exposure to small cap U.S. stocks, some exposure to growth and value stocks, some exposure to international emerging market stocks. All of those things, are they're going to move a little bit differently. Some are going to outperform and underperform during certain cycles. And those are things that also are going to be rebalanced when you do a rebalance to get into check. But those things are important to give you a stable and steady return over time. And that's something that I feel very strongly about. Diversification within equities is very strong, very key as well for long-term success. Now, the older and the further you get on into your investing time, it may make sense, and it doesn't for everyone, but it may make sense to start thinking about diversifying even out of equities into things like fixed income. Within fixed income, there's even different areas that you can invest in, but I'm just going to say fixed income can be added gradually if it meets your risk tolerance and and goals over time. But I'm not going to belabor that too much. The other areas of the market that we talked about are cash. And like I said, cash being quite attractive right now, I would say quite attractive for things like saving. I actually don't think it's attractive enough to be putting your investments in cash and not in actual equities or investment uh, options like that, right? So that is one thing I would say. I would also say that things like cryptocurrency... I still don't quite view as an investment. It's a speculation and I would not take money that you would be putting into equities and putting it into crypto because 
we don't really know exactly. We don't have the long-term thinking behind crypto that we do about equities where profits grow stocks over time. Great. We can get our minds behind that. We don't have that case yet for crypto. It is only put money in you can lose. So you're willing to yes. lose as it's we learned volatile. last year. Like two-thirds of your value. Yeah. Like it could happen again. It might not. It might go boom. But just keep your risk in check. And that is not something that I would say should be a material portion of your long-term money. Right? Mm-hmm. So those are my opinions, Josh. Any closing thoughts on that? Yeah, it, you're right. In a diversified portfolio, historically speaking, equities provide the growth. Bonds provide the short-term stability. So depending on your risk tolerance and your goals, your allocation should include a portion of both of those in some way or another. But yeah, you're right. People tend to play too much in some aspects and they move around and just miss out on the ability of just saying, let's see, what, let's let it play out. Let's let these good, solid investments run their course. Yeah. And that's really where you get the long-term growth is just patience. Yep. The boring is not bad uh, when it comes to investing. Absolutely. I'd rather get, you know, a 8, 10% return average over a long term, or even some of those asset classes cancel each other out or mm-hmm. whatever, and you get a boring return over time that's between 5 to 12% always. Yeah. Not always, but most of the time. And instead of having like, 50% yeah. down 40. The boomer um, bust. Yeah, I'm not into that. So, and I, th- I think that most people would like to see their money grow slowly and steadily yeah. rather than boomer bust yeah. as well. Well, thank you all for listening to Austin and I. Make sure that you share this episode if you know anybody that was just talking about this year and kind of trying to figure out what to do. If you are interested in having us help you with your investments, go to our website and go to the Invest With Us tab and reach out to us. We'd love to have a conversation with you. Uh, Make sure you subscribe. That way, every new episode comes straight to you right when we release it. And if you have the ability to leave us a review, please do that. It's always nice to uh, see what people say. All right. Well, until next Thursday, have a great week. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Invested Dads podcast. This episode has ended, but your journey towards a better financial future doesn't have to. Head over to theinvesteddads.com to access all the links and resources mentioned in today's show. If you enjoyed this episode and we had a positive impact on your life, leave us a review. Click subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Josh Robb and Austin Wilson work for Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Josh, Austin, or any podcast guest are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. There is no guarantee that the statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be correct. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Indices are not available for direct investment. Any investor who attempts to mimic the performance of an index would incur fees and expenses, which would reduce returns. Securities investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment plan or strategy will be successful.